1: Hello, everybody welcome in it is the Wednesday edition of the drive and uh with with Bill and Dan drew at the controls, sort of the regular crew although we're, we're minus we're minus our our normal fourth here for our number one of the Wednesday drive and that uh, Jason Caldwell from uh, inside the Auburn Tigers au Tigers.com Jason out of town so uh, we will catch up with him again next week. Sure, I'll see him around the ballpark some this weekend, and uh, speaking of the ballpark we'll'll we'll, uh, we've got some tickets we're going to give away to Auburn opening weekend against Indiana. We'll get to that and much more after we let you know that our number one of the drive is brought to you as usual by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and Kia of Kia of Auburn where you're always number one. And they're also the sponsor of our hotline, where you can uh, join us with your thoughts, questions,
2: comments by calling 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the Drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. You can also check out the podcast, which I think if you missed yesterday's show, you're going to want to check out the podcast of yesterday's show Particularly, we opened yesterday's show with an interview uh, with Auburn uh, Director of Athletics John Cohen. We mm -hmm. also had uh, Barrett Salee and uh, uh, Jake Crane, Jake Crane, and Scott Bagwell to talk about Auburn's uh, Auburn High School in the uh, playoffs today.
1: Yes, sadly, it was a uh, short it was it was a uh, uh, short run in the playoffs as both the girls and boys dropping decisions today the um, the girls losing to daphne 58 48 while the uh, the boys dropped a 51 43 decision to fairhope that was a wildly uh, it was it's you know so many games it is streaks and what streak ended things auburn was down nine went on a 17 0 run took an eight point lead at half and then fairhope went on a big run and uh, eventually went at 51 43 so um tough way the the season ends up in Birmingham outstanding seasons for both the Auburn boys and girls but their seasons are done so uh, it's on to baseball and that's coming up uh, I believe uh, we got broadcast coming up this weekend for Auburn high baseball over on
2: W League that's right but you you can listen to our interview with John Cohen on the podcast Uh, however you listen to podcasts search for the drive with Bill Cameron on your favorite podcasting platform or go to radioalabama.net ESPNAU.com and use the podcast center to listen to the show that way. That's all presented by Southeastern industrial contractors and uh yeah really had a, a great time yesterday speaking of uh, guest news bill i uh, i have confirmation i don't have an exact date because the next week or two is busy for him uh but we will talk with jeff perlman uh who wrote uh, the, oh the, i just finished his book that's right the, uh, the last folk hero
1: the bo jackson uh unauthorized but but he said go ahead and
2: do it Yeah, no, Jeff Perlman writes about uh, historical figures, Mm -hmm. uh, prominent figures in the world of sports or prominent teams. Uh, I love his book about the uh, Mets World Series championship from the 1980s. The bad guys won Uh, his book about the Showtime Lakers was the basis of the HBO series uh, that aired uh, this time last year. Uh, the book was called Showtime. The, the series is called uh, Winning Time. Because it was on HBO. HBO didn't want to air HBO's a show HBO's not going to be promoting Showtime. Right. I believe there will be a second season of that uh, yeah, fo- following is. that story coming up uh, uh, this year. But no, a lot, lot of cool stuff we can talk about. His Brett Favre book... Is excellent. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of cool stuff to talk about with Jeff Perlman, and that's going to be in the coming weeks. We will speak uh, with Jeff Perlman. So uh, so yeah, more, more exciting news coming as far as uh, folks appearing on the drive. You never and, know who will drop by.
1: And I I got uh, word to today. It was either late yesterday afternoon or today that uh, Butch Thompson will be joining us some, sometime next week. Hey. The, this this week this is a little crazy as they're getting ready for the opening series but uh, we'll have we'll have the Auburn uh, head baseball coach on
2: uh, at some point next week. So looking forward to that as well. Yeah that that's very very cool and I'm uh, I'm going to miss a big chunk of next week with my Troy responsibilities, final uh, road trip of the regular season. But now it's going to be great to talk with Auburn uh, head coach, Butch Thompson, uh, with the season getting started in just a few days. I know you're looking forward to that, Bill. Mm-hmm. You're going to try to make oh, it yeah. out to the ballpark a couple times this weekend, weather permitting.
1: Yeah. Uh, now, the weather looks like, I mean, it's going to permit. It's just going to be cold. Just make sure you, you take um, some, some layer, have some layers. It's going to be pretty chilly. The Friday game, of course, has been moved up to four o'clock to try to avoid the bitter cold that there's going to come Friday night going to have a low below freezing on Friday night then Saturday and Sunday are two and one o'clock games respectively
2: do we uh, did we give an update on where Jason is for folks who might be tuning in have we mentioned on the air uh, I said he's out of town okay cool all right I, I wasn't sure if we, yeah. if we mentioned it because I, I know was say, I, did, I, I didn't give his exact location well we don't have to do that okay but, but with right. the no but with with baseball getting started I know it's oh, yeah saying, that's we'll, what we'll, I said I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll see him at the ballpark yeah we'll have a lot to talk point point about this with, uh, with, with Jason Caldwell and I'm looking forward to uh, the Next time we get to talk with him, but uh, how about? Uh, I was going to say
1: before that. Let me go ahead and say, oh, okay. say since since we're talking a little bit about baseball, we do have some tickets uh, today. We have tickets for Saturday for Game Two of the Auburn Indiana series, uh, and and these are uh, we've got a couple of tickets down on the and at the dugout level. I mean, prime seats. If you would like a pair of tickets to the 2 o'clock Saturday Game 2 between Auburn and Indiana, just give us a call on the Kia of Auburn Hotline. We will set you up with those tickets. We'll give away some more as we move on through the show. And, yes, I am sure we will talk, and we're about to talk a good bit about um, quite the turnaround for Auburn last night, all the concerns after Auburn having dropped five of six And the Missouri Tigers coming in, looking for win number 20, being projected as a seven seed in the NCAA tournament. And Auburn just destroyed Missouri last night. I mean, from the opening tip, Auburn never trailed. And they weren't really threatened last night by Missouri. Um, A very impressive 89 a 56 game a game that uh, missouri is only able to cut it down to that by scoring the last six points of the game it
2: was 30 to 6 i mean i yeah. mean it was i mean the, the some of the scores it was 22 to 2 it was something. yeah it was I 19 mean, to 2 early in the game it was 30 to 6 uh, with the i think the flanagan dunk made it 30 to 6 right and it was early but it, it, i mean it didn't it was not a it was not a competitive game, and I, I said on social media, it was like watching one of those nature shows where a killer whale eats a seal, right? And you just say, you know, they, they throw them up in the air, and they catch him, and they, they toss him back and forth. Like, it was not competitive basketball no. last night. and Well, it was uh, a great matchup, I thought, for Auburn. I mean, Missouri, Missouri is a
1: good team, but uh, the matchups for Auburn were perfect. I mean, Missouri didn't have the dominant inside game. Uh, Jani Broom absolutely had a great game. The, the the concern you have right now is how healthy is that ankle going to be? After he went down, had it worked on, he was on his way. It looked like to a thirty fifteen night. Uh, he still ended up with twenty. I think twenty and eleven. The game last has night.
2: the game has that practical impact in the standings because the top four seeds in the SEC. Uh, it, it's important to be one of those top four seeds going into the SEC tournament because of the double buy system that the SEC uses. But on top of what it meant for the standings or the SEC tournament, for Auburn to play like that against a good team—I mean, that's the kind of performance that makes you think if this team gets in, if, the, if this team can approximate that performance again in in the postseason. This, the, not, that's not to say they can make a, a a deep run because you're asking them to play their best game over and over again. But the way they played last night would have given some of the best teams in the country trouble. My question, Bill... It would have. Here, there, there are a few things, though. Missouri is Missouri's yeah. not a good defensive team. No, and, and I was They're about not. to ask you, how much of last night is about Auburn and how much of last night's about Missouri? I think, it's, I think it's a good bit of both. I think Auburn did
1: play. They came out... Very intense and and really took it to Missouri, but there there are a lot of teams that will um, I think cause Auburn, Auburn more problems. Auburn got more open looks last night; they might got more open looks inside, and that resulted in more more open looks outside. credit to Auburn for hitting the threes um, but uh then uh, part of it is is Missouri giving them better looks. Than, than you might get, but I thought it was really good to see Katie Johnson hit four threes last night. Auburn goes 9 of 18 from, from outside the arc, so that's good. That's going to give them confidence. Auburn shot um,
2: 48 twos at a really high percentage yeah. last well, night. And, you and, think and about that's that the,
1: different, the difference in what Alabama does defensively and what Missouri does. Missouri's a very good offensive team, and that's where Auburn, Auburn again played excellent defense. Over the last six games... Auburn has really played very well defensively throughout that period. Um from well, over the last six and a half games, okay? Since halftime of West Virginia on, Auburn has played good enough defensively to have won every one of those ball games. It's been offensively and and uh last night Auburn played better offensively. I think part of that uh, I mean, obviously, they deserve credit for that. But, but you do have to look at the fact that Missouri statistically is not very good. And, and they did allow more, they just allowed more space than a lot of teams. And, and they didn't change things. When things started going well
2: for Auburn, Missouri kept doing the same thing. And it and it didn't work. Uh, so one player who made a huge impact last night. And I don't know how much we've talked about his resurgence is Katie Johnson. Right? Yeah, I, mean, I just that, mentioned. Yeah, Katie I mean, I mean, that four threes. Yeah, I mean Katie, Katie coming off the bench and providing that kind of spark. He had Fourteen that, in the first half. Fourteen of his fifteen in, in the first half. There were a couple of Auburn guards that had a very high percentage or shot the ball really high percentage last night. Flanagan was six of seven. Uh, from the even Leor uh, off the bench. Oh, Leor hit three threes. Yeah, Leor was three of four, and uh, and there are no. It's just tough to and the crazy thing. You imagine was, it's tough to beat Auburn when the guards are playing that well. On top of like you said, uh, Jani Broom having so much room to operate, oh, yeah. being able to impose his will over and over again before that ankle injury at the end of the game. Well, and uh, I mean the
1: thing is, they put Dylan Cardwell back in the game because he had a shot at a double double. Uh, so Auburn nearly had Auburn. Auburn had three guys close and to Dylan double doubles. Did, did finish with ten rebounds. Yeah, eight points and ten rebounds, and he missed a couple of tips there at the end that would have gotten him to a double double. Um, and uh, you know, uh, I mean, so and, and Jalen wasn't far off from a double double. So season I mean, high,
2: that, that's the difference inside season high in rebounds uh, for Dylan, which and was a, and right, a, was a season so. high in rebound margin for the team. Yeah, Auburn dominated the boards, and that's where. When the when the guards are, uh, when the when the guards are playing with confidence and uh, when, when Auburn's getting something out of players like KD offensively and and getting Alan Flanagan at a really efficient uh, number, you're getting uh, you're getting that that kind of dominance on the uh, on the offensive and defensive glass. Like Auburn's a, an incredibly tough matchup for a team like that. And Missouri, I mean, d- did you feel like a run was ever coming? No, no. I mean, and they shut they shut Kobe
1: Brown down. I mean, they really uh, they strangled him. It was forty five to eighteen at the half. Forty five to eighteen, and 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 here we go. Now this is going to sound terrible. Got to be a deflating loss for a Missouri team that beat Tennessee in Knoxville, right? Yeah, home, yeah, but but they I think they can they can go look. We split against two of the upper true. teams in the league on the road. Scoring margin gonna, doesn't matter. That's right. And now they're going to get home, and uh, you know. Uh, Auburn's not a good matchup for them. Other teams, I mean, they, this team put 80, 89, really? no, eighty-six.
2: Excuse me on Tennessee. I really want to see the next two with A and M because they've got Arkansas tonight in College Station, and they go to Columbia, Missouri this weekend. Mm-hmm. And I think those will both be really good tests, not just for A and M because those are two teams. You think that... South Carolina is going to be much of? No, a no, test? no, 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 no. Columbia, Missouri. Oh, oh, okay. A and and M is going oh, okay. to. Now, I, I no, I should
1: have. No, I didn't. No, you, you, you did. I, I just did. I just. For some reason, I was thinking, South Carolina? No.
2: AM yeah. hosts Arkansas tonight. Yeah, you're right. That's going to be really interesting. Arkansas beat A&M earlier in the season in Fayetteville, and then AM goes uh, to Missouri uh, on Saturday afternoon. That's right before Auburn-Vanderbilt. Actually, that's the game leading up. And I think those are both, not just for an A&M team that needs to win those kind of games to make their case to be included in the NCAA tournament. Because keep in mind, most most projections right now don't have A&M in despite their conference record because of... of uh, some of the losses they suffered out of conference and with arkansas and missouri i mean those are both up and down programs missouri needs to bounce back from what happened last night oh yeah and and they've got a chance to do it at home but a&m's not a team you feel great about bouncing back against cuz of the way they play man it is
1: it is really tight in the sec for the for the the battle there after after alabama i mean yeah a&m's two games back and then it's another game and a half back to Tennessee, another game before tonight, tonight, right? Tonight. There's yeah, another, Tennessee, yeah. Alabama. With Tennessee tonight, right? favored, Tennessee about a two, two and a half point favorite up in Knoxville tonight against the number one Alabama Crimson if Tide. Bama,
2: if Bama wins tonight, I, you know I wonder, win or lose, the next time Bama will be an underdog this season, right? When you think about on on the at the number, not in mean? this league, I don't think. Right. And then who in the tournament? Do you? I mean, who could be? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe one of the good Big Twelve it wouldn't teams be for a while. Maybe, I mean, yeah, you would think I mean, it wouldn't be for a while. I mean, maybe Houston in a rematch. I actually don't know uh, who would be favored in that situation, but uh, no, it's uh, uh, Bama is an underdog tonight, about a three-point underdog in Knoxville. That game starts right when the show ends at uh, six mm-hmm. o'clock. So, yeah, some some good SEC basketball on the schedule tonight, and uh, and Auburn feeling really good after just deep frying. Oh yeah, the the Missouri Tigers
1: with with Wendell Green not getting a field goal, not recording a field goal. All five of his points come at the free throw line. But he had nine assists, zero turnovers
2: last night. He didn't need to. That's impressive for Auburn to have a game like that. You're right, without Wendell Green stirring the the, stirring the drink as the leading scorer or something like that. that. I think that I think that says a lot about Wendell. Uh, People have criticized
1: him for missing shots at the end of the game. Hey. If he doesn't have to take it, he'll he'll pass it if somebody's open. Uh, but but I mean, there have been times at the end of games where it didn't look like anybody else wanted the ball, so somebody's got to take the shot. Oh, but last night I thought a very very good game for Wendell, despite the despite the fact that he has no field
2: goals. The sharpest the sharpest moments offensively for this team are when players other than Wendell are hitting shots, because there's always the threat of offense from Wendell mm-hmm. Green. It's when his teammates are contributing, too, that I think defenses have to start thinking about plan B and plan C because Wendell Green is, uh, is is a big part of the attack. And last night, he was still a part of the attack, even though, like you said, he wasn't scoring field, uh, field goals necessarily. But between getting to the free throw line and sharing the ball to teammates who were scoring, he was still making an impact on the game. We'd love to hear from you. Give
1: us your thoughts on the game last night. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise. As, uh, once again, yeah, Jason not with us today. He is uh, out of town, and uh, we should catch back up with him next week. But we'd love for you to join in here on the Wednesday edition of The Drive.
0: Time to churn up some more yardage on The Drive. Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The
1: Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Wednesday. Yeah, this would be tough to do on the radio. There's really nothing you can do with this on the radio during during the break dan got a uh, care package from his mom right yeah
2: it was it was a nice
1: nice little gift I from mean, uh, from
2: the folks back west and, yeah uh,
1: and 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 uh it is a huge uh, assortment of jelly Belly.
2: yeah so it's a, it's a, a running a running joke in our family cuz she she likes some of the strange flavors and i like more the the traditional ones but it's a uh, yeah she she got me the uh, little mixture of jelly oh, belly it's flavors it's a huge here. assortment and, yes. and and bill had never tried some of
1: the no no they they and 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 all of the ones I tried, I I liked. I couldn't identify. Now that I think about it, the the last one didn't taste like it didn't taste like crispy. Uh, they should be they should be paying for this. But Jelly they Belly
2: should. Jelly Belly is like a uh, it's a California based jelly bean company that has kind of traditional flavors, and then they also have offbeat sort of unusual flavors for candy I, I and really, jelly beans. I really liked the first two and, that I tried. Yeah, buttered popcorn has been buttered one of their... Buttered popcorn tasted exactly
1: like... Buttered popcorn. Butter, the buttered popcorn Chewy jelly butter popcorn, popcorn is the, what
2: that was the buttered popcorn jelly belly I think is is sort of a notorious like that's uh-huh. that's always been in the rotation yeah and then toasted marshmallow toasted has marshmallow also been, was I I didn't quite get that it was the toasted
1: marshmallow first but more I think about it yes the sweet caramelized sort of
2: taste yeah is and it's is what that was I think it's for a slightly more sophisticated uh, palate. palate some of these might be you know like it, it, you I, I like you that. can't mention you know kids may not want to munch on the toasted kids, marshmallow ki- or the kids don't Want toasted marshmallows? Well, they might like toasted marshmallows. Yeah. You know what I mean. So no, but it's uh, you may not want kids to be munching on your toasted marshmallow <laughs> jelly bellies. That's what you mean. That, that, maybe that's what I mean. So, yeah. but it's uh, uh, no. So yeah, was, we, we were we were uh, Bill was testing some of the uh, so, some of the more unusual jelly belly flavors there during the break, and it sounds like Bill
1: different. I mean. It's, it's,
2: it's a mix of forty in well, the in the it's a little, there, there are there about five or six different green right and there's um, so so what are
1: they I mean I know I, I'm, a, I'm just hoping that one wouldn't be like a vegetable so one of them
2: is exactly. the, Ooh, the watermelon here's a broccoli well, jelly belly well the watermelon is green on the outside with red on the inside you see what they did there right oh is that, that's so good they, they do have them. but then uh-huh. the others I think there's I think one of them might be seven up flavored. Uh, I know one of them's green apple. Oh, that's funny because only the bottles are green. Margarita, I think is you know. <laughs> you know, it's
1: not like is it green on the outside and clear on the inside? Maybe, quite, quite
2: possibly. Yeah, okay. But I, lime could be in there, or lemon lime, yeah, a or something like that. Yeah, we may it's may a little salt around yeah, the edge? May have to may have to uh, do do a little inspecting of the greens when we uh, when we go to our our next break. <laughs> that's right. You always hear
1: that you're not you know you're not you're not consuming enough greens.
2: What are you thinking on Bama Tennessee tonight, Bill? <laughs>
1: um... Tennessee's lost. I mean, Tennessee has not been playing well. Where are they going to find the offense to beat Alabama? I I just that it's almost as though they know Charles Bediaco's not playing. I, I, you know, we all heard that he was uh, hurt in practice. See if I can find an update um, on that over the weekend. I guess on Sunday he was hurt in practice, and the initial reports were, oh, it could be serious, but then. The official word was, oh, it's, it's nothing major. It's a minor injury. Uh, something has to have Vegas comfortable enough to put Tennessee as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I mean, Tennessee has, has really been struggling lately. And, yeah, their last time out. We talked about it from Missouri standpoint, but this Tennessee team, which has prided itself and they hadn't allowed seventy points to anybody, gave up eighty-six to Missouri. If Missouri puts eighty-six on them, how many is Alabama going to
2: put on them? An update on Betty Aco. uh, uh NATO says he's day to day. Yeah. Okay. Aren't we all? <laughs> aren't, okay. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, uh, but, uh,
1: but I, mean, no. I, I bet he doesn't play. Yeah. I mean, he's um... somebody knows something.
2: I'm thinking that's that's part of the assumption being made from folks who favor Tennessee mm-hmm. in tonight's game is that Bediaco may not play. I know there's also concerns with a couple of key Tennessee players. Julian Phillips and uh, Triple J are both uh, questionable, but you get the feeling they might play tonight, and Bediaco uh, may. Uh, um, may may miss the game, uh, and if so, that would present Alabama with some rim protection problems and some maybe some matchup problems uh, when Tennessee goes with a, a slightly bigger lineup. Well, if Tennessee loses tonight, I mean,
1: then, then they're eight and five and got a chance to be to drop out of the top four in the SEC. So, I mean, this is this is a uh, huge game not not for them to make the tournament. Although I am seeing them down now as a, uh, a three or four seed. After they've been, you know, a, 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 no, you know, no lower than the two
2: line if, all along. If Bama can win tonight, you wonder where a loss is coming in the regular right. season, or if if this is a team that's going to be at Texas A and M at A and M. That's the only
1: thing I would say. If they win tonight and they go ahead and clinch the conference before they go to College
2: Station, then they may lose that game. I mean, Arkansas and Auburn are both good teams, they are. but those games are in Tuscaloosa. And uh, may- maybe either of those teams could go to Tuscaloosa and play a great game and win. And, and like you said, Alabama goes to A&M to finish the regular season. But, no, it just seems like this is the toughest game left on Alabama's schedule in the regular season. And if they uh, if, the, if they were to pull it off tonight against Tennessee team, that... They've been close losses. I mean, Missouri was at the buzzer and right. Vandy was well, it's what like won- Auburn's losses. They've yeah. been
1: close losses. Maybe they, a- maybe they'll turn it around and have that that big win. That's what Auburn was hoping to do against Alabama. Yeah, would really would we'll really- see We'll see if Tennessee does because Tennessee's got to go. Tennessee goes to Lexington Saturday. Oh, really? and I know Kentucky's been struggling, but a Tennessee Tennessee team that had lost. Four out of five going to Lexington.
2: That's probably not good. A win tonight <laughs> would, would fill Tennessee with the confidence that they can beat anyone in college basketball, too. Because if you can beat Alabama, you're, you can hang with just about anybody there is in in the sport. Yeah, even though the games at home, that's even though right. the games at home, right. it still tells Tennessee we we, we can yeah. play with a team as good as them. Yeah, that's true. As long as they're not playing on that other team's home court. Yeah, as long
1: as it's not a Tuscaloosa. (laughs) Right. All right, we'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Come on in and join us on the Kia of Auburn Hotline, 334-321-1390, here on the Wednesday Drive. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Wednesday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Drew at the Controls, and we'd love for you to join in. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise, uh, Auburn with a huge win over Missouri last night, 89-56. to They're now 8-5 and five in conference play and just a half game out of third in the SEC race. And, of course, the top four teams get double buys in the SEC tournament. You've got, uh, let's see... Um, well, Tennessee's eight and four. Auburn's eight and five. Kentucky's seven and five. And now Missouri and Vandy is also seven and six. This this Vanderbilt team, uh, they are probably Dan this year's version of Texas A and M is what it looks like to me. Team, it really looked like oh this this is a bad team in the pre-conference, and they have really picked it up. They're playing
2: much much better now. As they get ready for Auburn coming in Saturday night, I don't know how much of, of the conversation with Jake Crane uh, you, you were able to hear yesterday because you left a little bit early to get to the game. Man, time. the traffic was unbelievable yeah, trying but, but to get the, in. But the, I'm so I'm glad you. Yeah, it was it was 19 to two when you sat down, right? It was it was already no no
1: I I mean
2: over. I I left
1: at what about 20 till, and I mean it was it was uh, five nothing when I walked in. So, I mean, it took, it took that long to,
2: to get over there and get parked and get in. So I, I asked, um, no, we were, we were talking about a couple yeah, of I heard a little ago. bit of talk about Stackhouse. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've always been a big fan of Jerry Stackhouse from the first year he got to Vanderbilt. I've just been really impressed with the, the look of his team and the way he sort of neutralizes a talent disadvantage. That's going to be really tough to overcome. When you're the head coach of Vanderbilt as far as uh, figuring out how to build a team in men's basketball that can hang with the best of the league, I know Kevin Stallings did it for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. It was a very different league back then, right? You wonder if that would work. The Kevin Stallings approach would work in an NIL era and in an era of right. free movement with transfers. It's just you know, I, I wonder how realistic it is to expect better results than what Vanderbilt has gotten under Jerry Stackhouse. On the flip side of that, uh, like, like I was saying to Jake Crane yesterday, I think if a place with more resources, if a, uh, if a school with, with more uh, a better track record of success and better facilities and more resources in men's basketball, a place that could get players, uh, if they hired Jerry Stackhouse as their head coach, I think you'd see uh, dynamite results. And Florida State comes to mind. Uh, that's the one I threw out there yesterday. I think I think Florida State with Jerry Stackhouse would be uh, w- would be competitive very very quickly. And I mean I guess Georgetown would also fall into that mix too. Uh, maybe Georgetown is too much of a bygone uh, era. Uh, you know I, I don't know. Jerry Stackhouse played for the Wizards, so he has yeah. a, a tie to DC as well. Florida State just seems to make. A lot more sense. Do you, do you see the path there to Jerry Stackhouse at Florida State winning a lot of games? Like if, yeah, we, if I they think wanted so. to go in in that direction. What do you think of my other crazy idea on that front? I, I tossed out uh, Patino, Rick Patino at Ole Miss. Uh, I don't know. You've been you've been pushing Patino to just about
1: any job. I thought Georgia. I mean,
2: it, it wouldn't be crazy. I mean, I thought Georgia would make sense. I mean, they they went with Mike White instead. Right. but I, th- I thought Georgia could have gone in that direction. Uh, I I understand there's some hey, trepidation that not just age, Georgia's but also better. The, the circumstances. Georgia, Georgia is, is better. This. Georgia year. is better. I mean, beat Kentucky over the weekend, uh, and uh, and there's hey. If, speaking of all right. Speaking of beating
1: Kentucky. Yeah. If Mississippi State beats Kentucky tonight, mm. which I will not be stunned. If they beat Kentucky tonight. If Mississippi State beats Kentucky and Alabama beats Tennessee, there will be nine teams within two games of each other for third place. A logjam. Nine teams. I mean... There would be nine teams between eight and five and six and seven. I mean, it's
2: pretty much, SEC. It's pretty much everybody but South Carolina and LSU, right? I mean, they're they're at the very bottom. And Ole Miss. And Ole Miss. Ole
1: Miss is two and ten. South Carolina is two and eleven. LSU is
2: one and twelve. Forgot about South. I forgot about Ole Miss. Yeah. And then who's, who's next after those three teams? Uh,
1: Mississippi State at five and
2: seven. And it, so if
1: they win, they're six and, and seven. Jer- and Jerry Palm has Mississippi State in
2: yeah. the tournament right now. He's got them uh, in, which is an indication of how yeah how how, uh, how big the middle of the conference is uh, this year, and uh, how uh, how tough it could be to break out of that for teams. I mean, so you uh,
1: there all these teams could still with just five games left to play. Any of these teams could finish anywhere from third to eleventh
2: where Vandy is in the net rankings? You mentioned them, as, I mean, because they're not really perceived as a bubble team at the moment, but no. they, they could finish the regular season on a very impressive winning well, streak. Very much like
1: A&M did yeah. a year ago. and, that, and mean, maybe If they get...
2: did and made a run through the tournament, they still wouldn't be in.
1: Unless, unless they, they won, won the tournament. Unless, unless they won yeah. The thing, yeah. yeah, but they, well, what? what is Vandy won three or four in a row? I believe. I, they, they've really been playing well. And that's where all it goes on uh, Saturday night. That is right. For a late game. That's, that's an 8 o'clock tip. I think it's seven
2: thirty. Oh, okay. St- still, still, you know, it's a Saturday evening game. But well, I guess, well, maybe, maybe, maybe Brad was well, and half may not an hour off last. May night. not start on time either, right? I think, I think it's, I think it's listed at seven thirty. But oh, yeah. no, knowing that okay. it's coming because it's going to come on. So I, is I think that an SEC network game? Then I think so. It's on the same. It's on the same. Uh, it's on ESPN two or no, that's not right. It's on uh, Saturday night's game between Auburn and uh, Vanderbilt is on the SEC network at seven thirty. Yeah, so there's okay. a. Uh, there's Georgia, still that's a late game Georgia's at Bama at 5 o'clock on SEC Network and then Auburn's a game right after okay well that's good that they at least tried to put a half an hour in between there's no sense anymore trying
1: to stack games up with you know back to back in two hour windows because games just don't get over in two hours anymore 334-321-1390 let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline and James is up first hey James
3: hey guys um Sorry about the other night when I was talking to y'all, uh, somebody tried to hit me while I was picking up my wife in the car, so oh, I'm man. not sure what that was about. But uh like on, I per- at- Wait, on on purpose? I well I was parked to pick up my wife and I don't think they were paying attention where they were oh, going. Okay, so. okay.
4: Hmm.
1: But, but the result anyways, was almost the yeah, same, yeah, whether or not whether or not yeah. they meant to hopefully hopefully I mean no damage or was there. No, they didn't hit me That's they good. missed me. It was but, just a near know, miss. Good. Yeah. You know. It's just Auburn traffic, you know. So <laughs> Yeah. It it is it is much worse than ever, no doubt.
3: Um, one other thing I wanted to make about the expansion thing, I know we were talking about the SMU thing. You know, uh I feel like the Big Twelve has come out a big winner out of this because their conference commissioner seems to be more proactive about expanding aggressively than Sitting back and seeing what goes, like the Pac-12 commissioner, he seems like I'm gonna rest on my lulls. I mean, it just maybe I'm wrong, but it just feels that way to me. Listening to the two of them and them being two completely different attitudes about
1: it, you know. No, I, know. I agree. I agree with you. I mean, the um, Big 12 is trying to, um, you know, make sure that they're still a viable conference. They're looking to add whoever they can. The Pac-12 is uh, is
2: sitting there watching teams slip away, right? And the, well, yeah. the Pac-12 lost the the, the two uh, California, the Southern California teams, and I, I think there's the the growing question, multiple questions in the Pac-12. One, uh, I guess there's three of them, because it's the question of what's going to end up happening with their media rights deal. Can they keep the rest of the league together, or will the lure of Big Ten money uh, bring Stanford or Oregon, Washington? Arizona, like could could those teams uh, be, be lured into the Big Ten uh, in something that would be beneficial for both sides? And then the third question would be conference expansion. You know who who makes sense to add to the Pac-12 if the league wants to stay together? I kind of have a feeling that Oregon and Washington and Stanford and maybe Cal uh, could end up in the Big Ten along with uh, USC and UCLA, and if that were to happen. Uh, what uh, what kind of claim to a major conference would the Pac-12 even have and, at that and would would a team you know can you keep the conference together at that point or do you look at uh, schools breaking off into other leagues to sort of make sense geographically and and that could be the you know sort of the death knell of of the conference itself so i think that yeah they face some existential questions in the future and and i think the first one is you got to get a media rights deal done and it's got to be big enough that Oregon feels like they can compete with Big Ten teams and SEC teams, and Washington feels like they can compete with teams you know, for national championships. Stanford is, is a program that competes not necessarily in football or men's basketball of late, but their overall athletics program. How many yeah. sports does Stanford compete yeah. for national championships in? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there are programs in that conference that want to have a level playing field, and if they can't get one in the Pac-12, uh, they'll go where they can.
3: Yeah. I agree with that cuz if um if the Pac-12 loses out on some of those teams to the Big 10, then you would automatically assume the SEC would look to add a couple of teams from the East Coast, you know, from the ACC to compete with that.
2: Yeah, but, we talked on uh, on Monday about uh the ACC's future and it would take a sort of, you know, I I think that they're they have contractual language that dissuades one team from leaving, but if a group of teams in mass wanted to go uh, to a different conference, the conference would sort of break apart. And I think, yeah, trying to keep the ACC, it's a similar thing with some of the leftover Pac-12 programs, trying to keep the ACC competitive uh, in the marquee sports. If, if the media rights deal, if it's not getting it done within the ACC, then programs like Clemson and Florida State mm-hmm. and Miami and North Carolina like they're not going to stand back and just watch as they drift you know in, into obscurity as as they fall further and further behind the top programs in the sport they're going to look out for themselves in that situation and maybe jump to a different conference that can give them uh, more money and it it could be yeah it could be good news for uh, the, the the schools that the Big 10 and the SEC would want and maybe bad news for everyone else who considers themselves a Power 5 program at the moment. That's true.
3: All right, guys. I'll see you all later.
1: Appreciate the call. 334-321-1390. Uh Bill and
2: Dan, Drew at the controls here. We've got. Uh, Does feel like we're moving towards a SEC and two, a, a huge SEC yeah. conference and a huge Big Ten? I, I wonder. You're a Huge I, SEC, but bigger than bigger than you, now. You think the SEC is going to expand to more than sixteen? I don't know that it is. I think if the ACC, if all of the ACC teams were on the market, you don't think the
1: SEC would be if interested? All, if yeah, well, I think if it didn't cost an awful lot to do that, that if the ACC yeah, broke the apart, SEC. but. Um, I think it would be more of the Carolina schools. I mean, I, I still think Florida is, is going to pitch fits to keep Florida State or Miami out of the yeah, SEC. But,
2: but we've seen that just one program pitching a fit doesn't, you know, you're, you could be outvoted if, if, there's, yeah. if there's a game. I, in... I, I really,
1: I, I just, I have a feeling we're going to somehow wind up with, we're going to wind up with four conferences. You're going to have two that are much more powerful than the other two, but I think it's going to be four conferences,
2: right? Or even, or even three. Because the question I would you have could with, have three. The question I would have with four would be: Are there four media rights? You
1: take, the, are, are there? You, you take the Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve. Are there four... and you add
2: Notre Dame
1: into the ACC and you've got four decent. But are ACC. are there
2: four platforms that are going to want to pay at a sort of an equal playing field, or is are we going to see three or two? In I don't ten? know. It just if, if depends two, on how much depends on how much more we move to streaming. The, the Big Ten and the SEC seem like they're in excellent shape. The Big Twelve has secured their future with a media rights deal that got, keeps them in the game. You've got you've got four networks. And you've got but the ACC. Do all four of them care about college football? If, if the ACC were to break apart, you know some of those schools could go elsewhere and then I think we'd move towards you know the SEC and the maintenance sort of if, dominating. If, if you had four leagues and they
1: could each convince one of the, the four networks, the if, major networks. If
2: everyone from the if you're the commissioner of the SEC and everyone from the ACC was on the table, who would you want? Uh, North Carolina and would be my
1: would probably be my first choice. And then I'd probably want somebody
2: You wouldn't want Clemson? With the success in maybe football I'd flight? go
1: Clemson and North Carolina. Yeah, I mean Virginia, Florida State. Yeah, but I'm just saying
2: the first two. Yeah, I mean Florida State wouldn't be the wouldn't be the first. Miami, I don't
1: think. No, I don't think so.
2: I think it's pro- I mean I think I'm with you. I think I think North Carolina maybe because of the impact it would make on your league as a football conference. maybe maybe Florida State and Clemson are appealing additions there. You already you're already a great football you conference. You are. But if
1: you but if you don't you, you don't, don't want to add you know you don't want to add,
2: you know, uh you know a a, a patsy. Flotsam and jetsam. You know, yeah. you don't you don't want to No, I, I understand that. But no, I think Florida State and Clemson would be appealing because of the fact that they're both <laughs> programs that have been relevant national championship caliber programs in the last I just say I, I decade, th- I th- decade and a half. I think or you've so. already got
1: enough interest in in Northwest Florida. You don't really have to have Florida State.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like that would be. I think those those would be the ones that make sense. I mean, the two you named, uh, Florida yeah. State, years ago
1: felt like yes, they ought to be in the SEC. Well, Carol, and I mean, they fit in the SEC, thinking, but they're not necessary. They're not necessary to be that next team or so. Would Carolina they leave Duke, four, with they,
2: would they leave Duke behind? I, I don't know. I wonder. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if it's, yeah, if it's, if it's you know, a package deal or something with the, the, I don't t- know. the tobacco road teams or, or something like that. No, I just, you know, and you know, you can you carve up the ACC into different Big Ten, Big I, Ten I, programs, SEC programs, do you, something do like you that. Wanna,
1: I mean, if you're going to go that, you want to go ahead and just go to 24 then instead of going to 20? Maybe you do Two that. Two super conferences. Well, we'll see. I mean. That's, uh, I don't I just, know. I mean, there's a, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of feeling right now that the SEC is like, as long as the ACC is, is stable. The SEC is like, yeah, that's okay. We're fine.
2: I don't think that anyone outside of current ACC programs makes sense for the SEC as expansion targets. So it would take, no, the... except, no except for Notre Dame, maybe. But it would take. I think it would take. Everybody, a break. everybody would be interested in Notre yeah. Dame. It would take the breakup of the ACC. I think for yeah. the SEC to want to expand more because outside of that, I don't see a target that makes a ton of sense. No, no. So
1: yeah, we'd love your thoughts. Uh, I mean, now that we're going to. Uh, going to 16 SEC teams, not this coming year, but the following year. And before too long, we're going to know who the opponents are for everyone. Um, now, Wimp, this morning, I'm on I'm, I'm with, uh, with, with Wimp and his son Barry up in Tuscaloosa on Wednesdays. Wimp said he's he's heard over the last couple of days that there may be some type of attempt to go with just two permanent opponents. But I can't, the math doesn't work to do two permanent opponents with 16 teams. Because I said, so what are you playing an eight-game schedule? And he said, no, a nine-game schedule. Well, then that doesn't work because you'd play two permanent, seven rotating, but then the next year you'd only have, there'd only be six others that you hadn't played. So you'd play one team, that
2: that's done more. No, you would, it would create a rotation, right? It would, where you'd have to. You're already have having
1: teams, a rotation. Right. But, but but like every seventh year, you play one team
2: three out of four? Yes. I mean, yes. that's and really. It would, no, sta- that's, it would create like a that staggered is, rotation. No. That's not, that that's, doesn't, that's not nearly as clean. As oh, no, no, it's oh, not. Uh, three and, you might three see a team six. three times. You might see one two times. You'll see everybody. I'll tell you, I'll tell you another reason. If you're Auburn, you don't want that. Because you're going to get Bama and Georgia, yeah, and you're going to be playing like a in a in a two plus seven system. You're going to be you're playing to get Bama and Georgia, and then rotating other
1: people. Yes, and, so and nobody you, else will have two that tough. Yes, and so I I think three. No, it's th- got to be three six or one seven. I mean, look the the status and, quo right now. And I think the feeling is it's going to be three six. There are a few schools that don't want to go. Nine conference games. They don't want to lose a home game, and they don't want to play a ninth Bill's, conference
2: game. Bills disgusted by my suggestions for the three and the six. I'm not for, disgusted for by team. them. I just I did I disagree strongly with a few of them. Right. You, well, you like you'd like to see. I mean, I think it's an interesting, especially if you assume Auburn and Georgia, or, or if you assume Alabama and Georgia are are two of Auburn's three. How they decide that third Auburn opponent. I think will be an interesting. Uh, you know, oh yeah, you try to make it fair, or you just want to? Uh, do you preserve rivalry, or do you? Because I, I don't even. Know I've, who,
1: se- I've seen really. some folks on message boards. LSU
2: would be the rival. Social
1: media saying, "Well, let's just we Auburn needs Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. No, and and you need your head examined, whoever you are. If you're if you think that's who
2: Auburn Auburn needs, well, although. To to be clear, like I don't know over the next five years. No, you don't. Uh, I don't know where Florida slots in in a sixteen team SEC as a potential opponent because is is, is Florida is is Florida They're gonna win? still an upper half team? Are they, are they still? I and mean, it's tough though. I mean, with 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 Oklahoma and They're Texas still, coming in. That they, they, I mean, yeah, I know. Florida they, gonna win more games over the next five years in Ole Miss. Yes.
1: Yeah, because <laughs> Lane won't be there five years from now. <laughs> he might be in Florida. Uh, Lane, Lane will uh, be somewhere. Lane, be, yeah, he may be in the NFL or Gainesville.
2: I mean, yeah, that's throw, throw him out be. there. I mean, if they if it goes real south and Florida says we got to go pay, we got to go pay someone like their top five coach. Uh, let's see if, if they go through the same song and dance next year. Lane,
1: Lane, Lane still needs to recruit high school and junior college kids a little better. Uh, I think. I wonder um, where would Florida. Oh, we're late, aren't we? Yeah, we, we got to go. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're, we're super. Yeah, late. we're just uh, just sort of rambling on. Yep. Uh, help us out here. Conversal. Give us your thoughts. Yeah, we need to get to our final break of hour number one. Come on in and join us here on the Wednesday Drive. Policies at SelectQuote dot slash. That's what I said. Welcome back in. We're just about out of time for hour number one. Of the Wednesday Drive. Bill and Dan with Drew here at the Controls. Love to hear from you. Anything you want to talk about. The SEC going to 16. How's the schedule going to work out? Want to talk some basketball. We'll take a look at tonight's games as well. As continue looking back at last night's win over Missouri. As we head into hour number two of the Wednesday Drive.
0: All things real estate. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. This is Sportsnetto.
5: I'm Christine Lisi, ESPN's Adam Schefter reporting. Jaguars receiver Calvin Ridley is applying to the NFL for reinstatement. He was suspended for at least the 2022 season on March 7th. After an investigation found he bet on NFL gains while he was away from the Falcons. Jacksonville coach Doug Peterson, GM Trent Falke, have said multiple times since acquiring Ridley they felt confident he'd eventually be reinstated by the commissioner. Ridley would add another layer of explosiveness to the Jags offense, believes our Keyshawn Johnson.
3: He's going to be able to uh, stop on a dime and, and give some change. He's a significant route runner. He is a hands catcher and not a body snatcher. He's the type of guy that you want. He understands the route concepts, He's under, he understands how to play football at a high level. They certainly got a gem when they got Calvin Ridley.
5: Key of Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Tiger Woods played 16 holes, walked 18 in the Genesis Invitational Pro-Am today. His first public round of golf since last summer's British Open. He'll tee off his first round of the tournament with Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy tomorrow at 304 Eastern on ESPN+.
6: ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance at Progressive. They're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at progressive.com or 1 800 Progressive.
0: Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email thedrive
1: at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Wednesday Drive. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls. We'd love for you to join in as well. As we're wide open here on this Wednesday, looking back at last night's action, looking ahead toward tonight. Uh, But but anything going on in the world of sports is fair game for hour number two of The Drive, which is brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. And you can uh, join us on the Kia of Auburn hotline. 334-321-1390, 3, 3, 3, 1, 334 Kia of Auburn
2: where you're always number one. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, 3, 3, on the Drive text box presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Uh, they also sponsor the podcast, which you can find however you listen to podcasts. A uh, Big, big uh, uh, shout-out to everybody at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. If you want to listen to the podcast, yes, yeah, search for The Drive with Bill Cameron on your favorite podcasting platform or go to radioalabama.net or espnau.com and use the podcast center. Had a big show yesterday. Uh, with Auburn uh, Athletics Director uh, John Cohen among our usual slate of Tuesday guests. So I would encourage you to check out yesterday's show uh, via the podcast if you missed it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a a fun show. It was great
1: to have the opportunity to speak uh, with the Auburn AD. Uh, so, So, yeah, hopefully... Hopefully you've got a chance to hear that, and if speaking, not, as, as Dan was saying, you can check it out.
2: speaking of fun uh, last night at Neville Arena. it seemed like everybody was having fun watching Auburn just run away. yeah i didn 't see From many Missouri, Missouri fans, yeah.
1: and that's probably was good for them. That would have been a, that, 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 that's a long trip to make to see that kind of outcome.
2: I mean, what an answer to a game Bruce Pearl was calling a must win game, right? I mean, for that team to go out there and play against a quality opponent we, We've asked multiple times in the last month or so, Bill. We've asked who is the best team Auburn has beaten all year. The answer to that question now is Missouri. If you look at the numbers and the computer rankings and where they sit as an NCAA tournament team, uh, Missouri. I mean, Arkansas might have been ahead of Missouri in the net ranking, but most uh, projections had Missouri ahead of Arkansas in the yeah. NCAA tournament, tournament. Oh, oh, oh! Missouri was being projected as a seven seed. Arkansas around a nine or a ten. Missouri to to beat the best team you've beaten all year and to beat them that convincingly it's a really impressive win for an Auburn team that you know had some uncertainty had to uh, had had to figure some things out in the final month of the season or risk falling to the bubble or falling in, into a more precarious position as an NCAA. Uh, tournament team. So yeah, huge win last night. Great to see uh, Katie Johnson continue uh, his stretch of impressive play. Great to see Alan Flanagan and uh, Jani Broom. Hopefully he's okay because he was dominant. Big reason why Auburn uh, was able to impose their will. Uh, Auburn thoroughly out rebounded Missouri. And from the very beginning, I mean, the game felt Game felt out of reach shockingly early, and I know that's dangerous in basketball because a run can trim a big lead into something more manageable. But like we were saying in the first hour, never felt like that run was coming for the uh, uh, for, for, for the Missouri Tigers. Oh, so no. I mean, just a uh, uh, yeah, and, and you can turn Bill back on. It's uh, uh, yeah, never never felt like that was uh, was in the cards, and in fact, it wasn't. Auburn wins by thirty three. Now uh, a a fun game, yes for for everyone. That was
1: an 45 Auburn, to forty-five an Auburn to eighteen at the half. Forty-five to eighteen, Auburn led it by thirty-nine. And I, I'll say this, and and again, this this sounds this this is terrible. It doesn't sound very professional. I thought the game were called fairly. Auburn wins by fifty. I thought really the the, the officials let Missouri pound on Janai and and uh called calls things a little tighter against Auburn but it didn't really matter last night so maybe that's just getting them prepared for for some tough road trips 334-321-1390. Three, 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 one, let me say before we get to the foam we have more tickets for Auburn baseball the season opening series this weekend at Plainsman Park as the Tigers host Indiana the Hoosiers coming down and expecting the warm climbs of the south well, it's going to be 30 Friday night, so the game's been moved up to 4 o'clock. We have tickets for Saturday, though. Temperature's expected to be around 60, uh, I believe, for, for the uh, start of the game at 2 o'clock. If you would like tickets to Saturday's 2 o'clock baseball game between Auburn and Indiana, just let us know, and we will set you up with a pair of tickets. Let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline, and we have our first two callers. Are you know? So uh, are are both named Dan. So we're we'll get it right by on one of these lines, and we'll go ahead and bring up the first Dan. That's hey Dan, name, that's my name too. Yeah, so we got three Dan's. What's up, Dan? All on the line. Hey Dan. Hey guys.
7: Hey, how you doing? Good. Yeah, call from Lake County, Georgia. So uh, join us on online line every day.
2: Uh, well, that's great. We appreciate comments. you listening.
7: Yeah, on Wendell, I just don't understand the criticism. I think he's a great player. Auburn wouldn't have 18 wins and eight conference wins without him. You mentioned he's willing to take that shot at the end. And you look at the assist last night, but for Wendell to get an assist, that means the player he's passing to has to make the shot. And uh, if there's a stat for blown assist, I think Wendell would be (laughs) at or near the top of the list because I think he's gotten the ball... Many times where somebody just set them up to score and they they didn't.
1: So. Oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and, and 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 listen to Bruce talk about Wendell. He loves Wendell Green.
7: Oh yeah, he's. I, I think he's a fantastic player and point guard and quarterback the team. And I was curious. Did you read the comment Bruce made about, um, um, KD's shooting? That um, they got. They've been working on his three point shot and getting him to Lift. put more arc on the ball. Uh huh. They had some kind of device on the basket that forces him to shoot it higher, and I noticed last night his shot looked remarkably better. And If he gets hot at the end of the year, watch out. Uh, yeah, people I, 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 forget. I just,
1: you know, people forget the guy was a—he was a forty percent three-point shooter as a freshman in Georgia. Sure,
7: but we only to yeah, something changed, but he's—I uh, think he's finding his groove, and, and that may be key. That he may have been shooting too much of a line drive and. Uh, if that changes, I think that puts Auburn in a lot better spot, having KD. No question about so, that.
2: I've actually, I've seen the device. So, um, uh, Nathan King wrote a story about KD for Auburn Undercover, and he makes reference to a device called, uh, it is called the, is it the gun? Officially, it's a, um, and, and it's a, it's, it's got a net around its, Let's see if i can find the uh, let's see if i can find the exact story in nathan's the the, the part in nathan's column where he mentions that uh, the Yes, yeah, so it is called the gun. So, uh, re- reading from Nathan's story, the arc of Katie's three point shot was a bit low for Pearl's liking. So, Auburn director of player personnel, Marquise Daniels, worked with Johnson on getting more shots up on the gun, a machine that re- redistributes the ball from the direction it came after a made shot. In order to make a shot, it has to be high enough to get trapped in a net that surrounds the basket and sides of the backboard and then deposited back down into the machine. And so, that encourages players to get more lift. On their jump shots, and uh, it, it's apparently helped Katie Johnson in in recent days. Well, you know
1: what? It's, it's uh, you know people may not realize this, but if you get nice arc and backspin on a ball, you'll get, you, you get a kinder bounces and uh, you get some of that backspin that can actually roll the ball into the rim
2: as opposed to bouncing off. They also they, they also took issue with where KD's release point was and getting him to put more arc higher. on the ball also got him to, to release yeah. the ball at a higher point, and that's uh, paid some dividends for him, or at least it certainly did in the first half last year. Sure. I mean, the stretch of six games or so has been really impressive for KD, and it, uh, it addresses uh, an issue that Auburn has had, well, is ahead, which is outside shooting. Absolutely. And it provides uh, Auburn with a big lift off, mm-hmm. off the bench. All right.
1: Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks for the call, Dan. A Appreciate you listening. Great stuff, Dan. 334 321 1390. I believe we have, do we have the the next Dan? <laughs> hey, Dan. Hey, guys. <laughs> yeah, I was
8: pretty excited about the game last night. <laughs> You know, it does help Wendell a lot when, when everyone else is making the shots, like the previous caller said, cause, cause then it opens up the lane more and then he can actually operate better. But, um, but yeah, if, the, if all the role players and all the other guys make their shots then it makes everybody's life easier. But, uh, Bruce made a comment and, and which I already, I think we all have talked about it or it's been talked about, about, um, that, the net, how they calculate it. And, it, and apparently, like, how much you win by kind of gives you additional points, or you know, or you lose points. Do you guys know what that is, or do you, is it? I know there's something about ten points. If you don't lose by ten points, it doesn't hurt you as bad. You know. Yeah, you I'm suck. not exactly.
1: The, yeah, the, I haven't seen the formula. I've heard, you know, I've heard bits and pieces. I'd love to see that that full formula so that everybody can just plug it in themselves. Yeah,
8: because because it made it sound like. You know, it, as long as you don't lose by 10, I think that's why he was mad at Nate Oates when they when when they scored the last basket to make it go to 10, and then we had to squeeze. He was, he was kind of giving him, like, a dirty look. Like, you know, that's what it seemed like last game, but, but then he brought it up this game. So I'm wondering if the losses that we had, since they were just, like, they were all really tight games, really close, maybe they won't hurt as bad, you know. but So it'd
1: the, be interesting the exact, to know what that, the exact
2: is. algorithm that they use is not... Uh, is is not disclosed right, to not the public. public we, we know that there are there are two aspects of it, though. There's team value index, which is which is called TVI. Sometimes when you're watching college basketball, uh, announcers will make reference to, to TVI, and that is uh, that that is based on uh, who you've beaten. That's sort of where the quad. One, two, three, and four—you uh, know—that that, uh, uh, that that gets into account. But then there's also something called uh, adjusted net efficiency, uh, which factors in strength of opponent and where the game is played, and sort of gives every win a uh, a, a value based on that. I, I mean, as as far as we know, margin of victory isn't uh, a, a factor in either of those, um, but. Uh, you know we we don't we don't actually know everything that goes into it. So I mean I I would think that it's uh, you know it's it's more like I I didn't think that Bruce's issue with what happened at the end of the game had to do with the computer rankings and what the you know what that might mean. I thought it was more a, a sportsmanship you know a general you know, sportsmanship issue. But well, um, yeah, I, I, again I don't know. Well Bruce Bruce made the comment though that he didn't
8: like that the margin of victory mattered. Hmm. But it did. So that's that. why I, I think. I mean, I don't think he would say that. Obviously, if he's the coach, he would know what what the actual thing is. Maybe you need to get him on here. And it's about time to get Bruce Pearl on your show, guys. Uh,
1: that would be great. But... We'd love we'd love that. <laughs> All right. Well, if you to figure it out, let me know. Appreciate it. Right. Appreciate the call, Dan. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. The uh, congratulations to William uh, getting those uh, baseball tickets. We have another pair we'll give away here in a little while. Um. So. So. Yeah. Looking. Looking forward to the start of baseball. We would love your thoughts on basketball. I. I had. I did not hear those
2: comments from Bruce. So. I yeah. Mean, I'll see I, if I can find that. it might have been post game after the yeah, Alabama I, game I, or or Tuesday. All because I. I don't know exactly what Dan was referring to. I mean. Me, I. But. I don't.
1: I don't usually hang around because I'm. Usually there with with family. Yeah. Uh, and, well. And so I mean I don't go down to the to the post game. I try to catch as much as I can. Of the radio post game, and I'll concede, but, uh, but I
2: missed, usually I miss bits and pieces. Absolutely, like I'm I'm not going to you know correct Bruce Pearl or anything like that. I was under the impression the margin of victory was not one of the factors that the NCAA used in determining uh, the, uh, the the for, the formula there. You know the the things that are disclosed publicly, margin of victory is not one of them. Mm-hmm. That, that at the same time, the computers might take into account the score of the game in in one of these uh, two formulas, but but I. I, I was unaware if that's the case, and, and that would uh, seem contrary to at least some of the stuff that's been released publicly about about how they calculate this. But
1: but yeah, if you if you think about it, uh, yeah, my feeling was hey, don't do that. You're already got the game one kind of thing, which uh, Bruce Bruce's guys usually are instructed. They've got the lead, got a big lead there at the end because, I mean, last night there were a lot of people going, get the ball to Dylan for the double double. And it's like, no, you do that with a minute or so left when the shot clock is still in play. But once the shot clock is out, then uh, just run the clock, let the game end.
2: Yeah. And it's, um, you know, I don't think anybody's trying to, uh, to, to show up an opponent or rub their face in, in, in the result or anything like that. Everybody's just trying to get to the locker room. You know, once the game is in hand, you know, I think, I think people want to keep competing, but at the same time, you want to get to the locker room healthy and uh, get get ready for the next game and, and be in the best position possible to do that. And, you know, if, if, if extracurricular activities, we've seen ugly incidents at the end of the game, you know, before, mm-hmm. uh, and we've, uh, you know, it's just, it's something to avoid if you can, you know, on top of it being good sportsmanship. So, yeah, I, I could see why, even if it wasn't necessarily about the margin, uh, why, a coach would take exception to what happened at the end of the game uh, in in, in the Auburn-Alabama game.
1: We'll get to our first break of hour number two. Love for you to join in here on the Wednesday Drive.
0: Let's get back
1: to the drive.
0: The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502,
1: or email thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive, 20 minutes after 5 o'clock here on this Wednesday afternoon. And let's get back to the Kia of Auburn Hotline. And Mitch is up next. Hey,
9: Mitch. Hey, guys. Uh, a couple things. One, second on uh, SEC expansion and then uh, something in basketball. But I want to start with basketball. Um, guys, were, you know, talking about uh, the double-doubles that we possibly could have had last night, and, and I just got to look And I know uh, Auburn in their history has three, uh, I think two by Walker Kessler.
10: Triple-doubles. Uh,
9: Triple-doubles, mm-hmm. yes. And so I was like, you know what? Well, how many quadruple doubles has there ever been? So I so I looked not, it up. And
1: not, not many.
9: No, not many. There's only been four in the NBA, and two of them. Uh, well, one was by a team, and another one was by uh, David Robinson. Um, and then in the I think, uh, the only one I could find in the NCAA was a guy at UT Martin back in 2007. Uh, uh, Lester Hudson, I believe, was his name. So that that
1: points, exploring. rebounds, assists, and blocks, or was it steals?
9: Uh, I think for the one in the NCAA, I think it was steals. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah, but 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 there's a woman, there's a woman, a young lady at Grambling State that's recorded two
1: quadruple doubles. Wow.
9: Yeah. Yeah. And, and and obviously no one's had a uh, 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 quintuple double. With yeah, the that would spot. have to be
1: points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks.
9: Right, right, yeah. So, that so I thought. I mean, I thought that was very interesting. That that I mean that there's only been. I mean, you know, Dan's the the computer guy. He might find another one. But yeah, the NCAA there's only been one NBA four. And I, yeah, Auburn had a chance.
1: Ladies. I mean, Auburn really, with, uh, with 10 minutes to go in the game last night, I'm looking and thinking there's a chance Auburn could have three guys with double-doubles. I don't know that I could ever recall a team having three players with double-doubles because Jalen had nine and seven, right. and uh, Dylan had eight and 10, and then Janiyah had 20 and 10.
9: Right, right. Yeah, that that that's something I did not look up. That would that would probably be something to look up to see if three guys have ever had <laughs> double doubles on the same
1: team. Yeah, it would be in a pretty big out. route, I would think. Yes. Yeah.
9: <laughs> yes, yes. Um but getting back to football and the expansion and everything, uh I believe it was it was it Friday that you guys were both out and you had the yeah. uh mm-hmm. the sub pin. Well uh we uh I called up and, and, and I know Bill, you, you had your list of Three permanent opponents. Oh yeah, I've had know, that for, for a long teams. time. Yeah, and, all, and and well, and I, I did the same thing too when when we heard that uh, Oklahoma and, and uh, Texas were coming in, but uh, the one I wanted to touch on because I talked to them was um, Georgia and Florida. Now, now first, you know, obviously Auburn and obviously Florida, you know, because of the cocktail party, and and I threw in there south carolina because you know that was a, a game they used to play back in the 80s when there was only six conference games and there wasn't divisions and all that and everything and then for florida obviously uga and then uh, uh keeping lsu because uh, that's been their common opponent since 92 and then i threw in uh tennessee and the guys on friday were like uh ah, that might be it a- yeah, I think, that's, I think that's
2: too tough. I think you got to pick either LSU yeah. or Tennessee for Florida. I think yeah. I think you can have well, Georgia stays. Well. Georgia stays, and then you pick either the Tennessee rivalry. Yeah, or the LSU I, think, rivalry. I think so too. And I'm then the other to, one, the other one, I, I think mine. needs to be probably a lower tier SEC East team: South Carolina, South Carolina, Kentucky, Kentucky, or, or Vanderbilt, something like that.
1: Well, yeah, see, um, I had. Well, look, I, I had I had Georgia LSU and and either Kentucky or Vandy. Yeah,
2: see, I've got I've got uh, Georgia, Kentucky, and Tennessee as my three opponents for Florida.
9: Okay, well, I flipped it around and 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 they actually like this better. But I went uh, from Florida, I went LSU, Georgia, and South Carolina, and mm-hmm. then from Georgia, I went Auburn, Florida, and Tennessee.
2: See, I think that's too uh, tough for Georgia. I don't think it is. You don't think so? I think I think no, I think, that's, I I think, think that's it a top is.
9: Tier. I think that that's that would
2: be that would be as tough a draw as anybody's got, right? Auburn, uh, Florida, If, Auburn, Florida,
1: if uh, well, Auburn, I mean, Florida,
2: and Tennessee would be as bad as tough a draw as anybody draws. If those are Georgia's three. Uh, well, if you're
1: Alabama and you got uh, Auburn, LSU, and Tennessee, that's that's about the same. Yeah. So those are two. I mean, so about the same. Yeah, but those are the two teams that are the best. They should be playing. They can't. They're not playing themselves. Maybe. They and they're happen. not playing each other. Yeah. So they ought to get. Yeah. They ought
2: to get pretty tough skits. Maybe I, I could see and you can
1: adjust it in yeah, four years. You
2: could. I, I could see. Um, yeah. i I could see two traditional powerhouses, and maybe someone who's not a traditional powerhouse for both of those teams. But I mean, right so, now
1: you've got you've got Tennessee trying to
2: reestablish themselves. Florida trying to hang on like I could see I could see South Carolina ending up as one of Georgia's three opponents yeah I, do. I could too um and in which case you'd have to bump uh, one of uh, either Auburn Florida or Tennessee uh from uh, from, from right. Georgia if, if you gave them you're South not, bu- not going Auburn and Georgia are gonna play I could see Auburn either, and Alabama are gonna play. I could see either old Miss or Mississippi. Alabama, Tennessee are I, are I could play. see either Ole Miss or Mississippi State as one of Alabama's yep. three permanent opponents in which case you would have to pick wouldn't be between, fair but I I could see it yeah, I, I, in, in which case you'd have to sacrifice those traditional rivals right. that's that's the point I would would make
9: okay guys well that's all i got today war eagle we'll talk to you soon
1: appreciate the call yeah it's going to be really interesting because somebody is going to come out of this going hey we don't deserve this it needs to be fairer the best thing is you're rotating everybody so you'll you it, it won't be as one-sided even though if you have tougher permanent opponents it's still going to be worse it may not be as you know, as bad as 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 it perhaps has been for a couple of teams. Yeah, and, and
2: I guess um, it comes. Yeah, the, the the criticism I keep getting of the uh, of the three ones I've picked for for every team is that I, I went too easy on some of the traditional powerhouses yeah. in the conference. Because yeah, I think I, I, suggested- I think I think you do have to sort of weigh
1: not only how good are they now, how good have they been, how consistent have they been. The best, if the best aren't playing each other, and Alabama and Georgia will not be playing each other on an every-year basis. If those aren't playing each other,
2: they need to play a little tougher other teams because other teams are having to play them. Right. I I would be surprised if either Alabama or Georgia, when we find out who the three permanent opponents are, if either of them drew three of what we would think of as the top Seven or eight or ten programs, which is I if you get,
1: think, I I really do think I, I will be very disappointed because I've heard this from so many people projecting it. I think Alabama's getting Auburn, LSU, and Tennessee, and you've got you've got all three of those are
2: they're they're a notch below. They're closer. They're sort of. Um, See, I thought in just, the five to eight range. I thought you just agreed that you thought one of the Mississippi schools would end up on Alabama's no. schedule. Okay, no, I, I thought. Okay, I, I you you don't you don't think one of the. No, two I said I, I
1: wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, okay, but I, that's I what don't I, think they will. I think Alabama gets Auburn,
2: Tennessee, and LSU. I have a feel. You know what? The I think they should too. You, well, no, and that's a difficult choice as far as which. Of, if you don't give Alabama those three, which of the three then what are you doing? Is? You're giving
1: it. You're giving the best team. One of, you're giving them uh, an easier schedule than some other teams well, no, are going to get. no, but the
2: point I was going to make is that if you don't give Alabama those three, you have to make a difficult decision as far as which rivalry to jettison. Right. Because those are three very prominent rivals for Alabama. I just wonder if those are going to be the three they end up with. Well, the, and two, the two that they're going to end up with are Auburn and Tennessee. Right. And that's where I wonder if, because LSU's got a couple, I mean, between between Florida and Alabama... And some A&M. some would say A and
1: to LSU means squat compared Arcan- to the Alabama game. Arkansas has
2: grown into a rivalry over and the last twenty five years or so to not, them, not
1: anything to Alabama. And then you've got two Mississippi schools that both sort of view themselves. Ole Miss as, is Ole Miss, but LSU Mississippi State. Who thinks of that as a big rivalry?
2: Right, just because they play in the West. For the LSU last and Ole years. Miss
1: is a big rivalry. Yeah, so, some of these trimming right.
2: it down to three, and then figuring out if you've dealt them too easy or too difficult to hand I think is going to be the project for the SEC Final half
1: hour coming up we've got another pair of baseball tickets call in they're yours and speaking of baseball uh, you had a chance to uh, get with the Auburn assistant baseball coaches the other day well here's some comments from our former comrade Gabe Gross when we come back here on the Wednesday Drive
0: The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334 321 1390. Toll free at 888 382 7502 or email
1: us at TheDrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final half hour of The Drive on this Wednesday and congratulations, Rex picked himself up a couple of tickets to the Saturday Auburn-Indiana game. I think we may have some Sunday tickets tomorrow, so, uh, so join us for that. Dan will be out tomorrow.
2: Yeah, uh, Coastal who Carolina. Got. Tro- Trojans are uh Trojans are one game up on three. Oh, that's why you were watching their video. You were, that's right. you were doing a little scouting. That's right. We haven't played the we haven't played the sh- the shants uh, this year. Uh, so the, uh, the the Coastal Carolina. Although I it's one of those and I don't want to get too far I could have sworn Chanticleers are male. They are. Uh, okay. But uh, so it's not the, the the lady shants or anything like that. I just think we're not supposed to I was going as the Chanticleerettes. Yeah, it's <laughs> Santa Clara's no, so it's uh, uh, the uh, no, so so we've got we've got Coastal Carolina. Yeah, I thought Santa were roosters. I, be- I believe I believe that's correct. Um, so Coastal Trojans are one game up on three teams. Four games left in the regular season. Uh, senior days on Saturday against Appalachian State. But Coastal and App are both uh, teams that that have just been traditional powers of late in the conference. They've competed for the conference uh, championship in recent years. They always give Troy a big game, and there's a good chance we're going to see one of these two teams again in Pensacola based on how the seating works out. So I think it's important for Troy to bring it tomorrow night and uh, and get themselves a little bit closer to a third league title in four years. And, uh, yeah, so you won't have to worry about some of those. They're not
1: going to be bringing their officials with them some of the calls that you were watching today. Oh,
2: no, I was, yeah, well, we'll, we'll see. I mean, that's, uh, it's, it one the only game where that sort of thing's happened. But, uh, but yeah, Coastal Coastal and Troy both play fast and attack the basket a lot, and it's tough to officiate because there's, sometimes there's a lot of contact. Yeah. And sometimes there's no contact at well, all, and, and that's, players go that's,
1: flying. And, that's the most frustrating thing about officiating is, you know, maybe the guys on the outside will call it tight, and the ones on the inside won't, or vice versa. Or when they were reversing the end of the court, the guy who'd been on the outside, side on one end is down low, so you get calls going. It
2: seems one way or the other. Auburn but uh, it's took, tough, tough to call with the athletes. So so talented. Auburn took the officials somewhat out of the game last night by building such a big lead that it just didn't really, the game didn't hinge on one call or another. No, no, you're right. And, uh, and that's uh, it probably played to Auburn's benefit because there were, a few, a few spotty instances oh, there after not, Auburn built not, that big you're, lead. You're but. not kidding about that. All right, uh, as we mentioned, uh,
1: Auburn baseball getting started against Indiana this Friday, and uh, um, we're we're gonna we're gonna give you an opportunity to hear some comments from Gabe Gross. But as we've said, calls come first, so we'll get to the phones
2: first and go to Daniel. Hey, Daniel, a lot of Dans. Yeah, really. The second hour. What's up, Daniel?
4: <laughs> What's up, guys? Uh, hey, I did just – I don't know if somebody has asked this before. Um, I just got in the car. I heard you guys love the show, listen to it every day. Um, but I just wanted to ask the simple question. How How does one become a collegiate referee? What is the process? Uh, I just – I don't know. I was just curious if you guys knew. Or, Anyways, thanks, guys.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, guys work their way up, uh, as a matter of fact. I mean – Um, you, you'll have, uh, it's, it's not really tryouts, but I mean, the, each conference sort of, uh, has an eye on, on some potential candidates who, um, they can, they can express interest in that they, they hear about. I mean, you'll, you'll have guys working up from, um, from, from high school and getting the opportunity to move, move up. To become
2: collegiate officials, there's a there, there's a, uh, there are. I was gonna go ahead. There's a it's not a union. It's not the word I would no, use. No, it. it's, it's not a union. A tra- organization, a trade organization, right? Uh, that you can register with, mm-hmm. uh, and that I think the NCAA and, and there, different, and, and different and there conferences are, use different organizations, right? Maybe. There, are,
1: there are there are camps. There are um, you know opportunities to go learn exactly um, the rules and how to. Uh, you know how to interpret them, how to call them. Uh, they you know, they're, they're, you know, training opportunities, and then from that, I mean, if you're, uh, uh, if you're pretty good at what you do, I mean, there's a chance. But I mean, you really these these guys work. I mean, they work and put in a lot of work, working out and going through. Uh, camps and training and and
2: drills and things like that before they get the opportunity. So I will read from uh, I will read from the website of a group called SayYesToOfficiating.com, dot com, which is the official website of the National Association of Sports Officials, which is one of those organizations mm-hmm. that we talked about. They have a sort of getting started page, how to become a basketball official, and their recommendation after they tell you about some of the things to consider: physical demands, mental demands, training equipment, uh, what you can expect to earn uh, starting out versus what you could expect to earn a little bit later on, a, d- a different uh, certification. Uh, but their recommendation is uh, many officials start at the youth level. Contact local recreation department leaders. Uh, your local association should help you to make contacts to get games. Parks and rec departments offer youth and adult games in many cities. You could work multiple games per day on the weekends for schools and independent organizations, enhancing your earning potential. After working youth games, you may feel you have the skills and confidence to work higher levels of competition. Uh, that's how you can move to the high school level. Uh, for junior high games, ask association leaders or contact your local sports, uh, your local school district. For high school games, uh, work, uh, work with your local association, uh, any, work with sanctioned school games, requires you to be registered through your state. Uh, the National Federation of State High School Associations is the governing body for high school athletics. Through them, uh, you can find your information. You have to be certified, and, you, and, and, and then there
1: are different organizations, associations.
2: Highschoolofficials.com apparently is the website you go to to okay. get registered to be a, a high school official. Yeah, so
1: Daniel, if you're interested, uh, hopefully that could, that could help you. I mean, uh, I guarantee you, everyone's always looking for
2: for more good officials, right, and the more and the more experience, I guess one of the, the points this website's trying to make is that the more years you have outside of the college game, the more attractive option you'll be if you want to start becoming, if you want to make mm-hmm. that move to college. If you just have a couple of parks and rec games to your not likely to your name, right. you, may, you may not be be an, an interesting option. But the more games you have, that the stronger your resume can be, the more likely it is that a college uh, conference uh, may uh, may decide or, or to hire you. Actually, it's not at the conference level; it's NAIA a division three division two division one deciding on on official assignments and they man uh, and i guess there's also camps that you go to to to, to improve your uh a question a
1: question like that makes you know it's like chuck furlow would have been the the perfect person to ask dang it you're right and then chuck of course very good friends with steve shaw the the national director of football officials three three four three two one thirteen ninety matt is up next hey matt Hey guys, can I ask y'all a quick football
4: question? We're going to be spring sure. practicing here in a couple of weeks. So, of the current players, not transfers or new players that we've signed, who on the offensive line do you think has the best chance to be a starter come fall? Jeremiah Wright, yes. the only one? Maybe uh,
2: Cam he is, Stutz? he's definitely the first one that comes to J- mind. Jeremiah Wright and Cam Stutz strike me as as real options to start at guard. Um, Tate Johnson was a starter when last season started until until
1: avery until avery jones was signed yeah
2: auburn went out and and added a a center signed a
1: a proven multi-year starter at center
2: right which makes you think maybe he's going to be in a tough spot i mean i I could foresee a scenario where the guards are cam stutz and jeremiah Wright. it's going to be interesting to
1: watch uh isabian miller you've got to see
2: see, because i think he's going to get a Uh, look inside as well. There could be a scenario where you've got four new arrivals and one holdover, maybe two holdovers, the guards, and then you have a center and two tackles made up of the new arrivals. Maybe one of the tackles uh, remaining on the team makes a push, although that feels... Uh, less likely with Auburn going out yeah, and bringing in it's two tackles. Going to be interesting though uh, in Dylan Wade and, and Gunnar. Yeah, Riddell, so how but. about uh, that?
4: Colby Smith. Colby Smith. He Smith.
2: A, yeah, he's a big. He's, he's a, a pretty
4: high recruit. He's big a big
1: guy. kid, right? Yeah, he is. And I mean, this is a great opportunity for him. Uh, yeah, that that's where this spring will be really interesting because some of the guys that have been around, hey, here's a real shot for them. Uh, but if they come out of the spring looking up at some other guys, then you're probably and going to see
2: some more additions into the port. It's not the end of the world, though. If you're if you're Colby Smith or you're EJ Harris and you're not a starter, because Auburn did go out and get some guys right. that are maybe they don't one, have a lot of eligibility. Yeah, that, there may be one right. year options and a mm-hmm. year a year in the Hugh Free system, and maybe this time next year you're looking at breaking into the starting lineup if, if things go well in in 2022. So you know, for the upperclassmen that are running out of time. Eh, you know, maybe it's now or never. But Auburn signed a couple of offensive linemen, uh, and we we saw EJ at a at a basketball game yeah. uh, earlier this season, also looking uh, yeah, pre- look, looking pretty healthy. Looking pretty yeah. healthy. So yeah, there's a uh, uh, you know there's a couple couple guys that are that are remaining on the roster that that could have something to say about how the offensive line looks in the next year or two.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, competition is good everywhere, especially offensive and mm-hmm. defensive line, in my opinion. But another question I'll hang up. Um, you know, Gus Malzahn got a lot of criticism because. He was a high school coach for a while, and everybody every time something screwed up, they said, "You know, that's just we got a high school coach coaching our team." But Hugh Freeze was a high school coach and successful before he moved on to to college. I haven't right. heard that about him. Uh, I wonder why. Maybe because his offense is a little more uh, diverse, and Gus is about the same as he ran in high school. Is that the difference?
2: You know, I, I think it's maybe just that uh, Hugh Freeze hasn't uh, done anything in a game that angers the fans yet.
1: So now that, not, that's that's part of it. So that's part him. of it.
2: We're not but hearing I'm, him call to high school.
1: I, I do think I do think Hugh has shown the ability to adapt and change a little bit, whereas
2: Gus didn't. And when he tried to make a change, it just didn't work. I think Hugh Freeze, even earlier in his career, has had the perception of maybe he's just had better receivers. Yeah. Than Gus Malzahn, right? I don't know how much of it is scheme being routes. Yeah, you know, I, don't, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know how much of it the passing tree is better, and how much of it is Hugh Freeze, and that's because that's something you can demonstrate, right? Hugh Freeze has gone out and over the last ten, twelve years, Hugh Freeze has recruited more receivers who ended up in the NFL than Gus Malzahn has, and right. brought brought them brought them to come play for him. So that that would be, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't have a great answer as far as why Gus Malzahn's Past as a high school coach is used against him more than more than it is with Hugh Freeze, but yeah, it may it may be exactly what you said. Just uh, just wait, just just wait to see if Hugh Freeze can make steps to improve the passing game, uh, you know, at, at receiver and at quarterback and on the offensive line. Uh, that that's uh, certainly going to go a long way in improving Auburn's fortunes on the field. We'll get to our final break of the afternoon.
1: If we get a chance, we'll run some comments from uh from gabe gross if not i mean if you we've got calls we will get to them so stick with us here on the uh, final segment of the wednesday drive
0: drive continues 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 the drive with bill cameron and dan peck on espn 1067 online at espnau.com to be a part of the drive call 334-321-1390 toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at
1: espnau.com welcome back in final few minutes of the drive here on this wednesday afternoon and uh, yeah, while we've got a few minutes, thought we'd let you hear some of the comments uh, from Auburn assistant baseball coach Gabe Gross. Gabe, um, you'll first hear him start talking about the young freshman left-hander um, Ike Irish, who they're going to find some spot in the lineup for him somewhere because of the bat. And he talks about some of the characteristics that make Ike Irish special. Uh, you know, big body,
11: strong kid. Um, you know it, i think it's so uh, not talked about uh, enough in the world of analytics and in the world of all this kind of stuff that baseball's coming is his his competitive genius through the roof um, that choker competes for every pitch uh, every second um, you know one of the beautiful things in the recruiting process you get to know these kids when they're when they're pretty young and our first conversation I don't know if I have told him this but I asked him uh, I asked him what he was looking for in a college and he said, "Coach, I just want to win. I hate to lose." <laughs> I thought that was one of the best answers I've ever gotten. Uh, in that, it's not like facilities, it's not like conference. He's just like, man, I want to win. That's what I'm looking for in college, and he brings that to the ballpark every single day. The, that
3: you got more depth. There's more bodies. On it. How, how much has that created a
4: competitive
11: environment for this team? There's no doubt, and it's 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 still going on. I, I think. Last year there was there was a position or two we were still evaluating and stuff, but uh, this year it's you know there's I don't know eight guys right now that probably couldn't tell you, would tell you that they probably have a chance to start, but don't know if they're going to start and where that is and they're fighting for their lives and um, I think that has absolutely uh, thrown this team into uh, a very competitive nature because uh, you're competing for your for bats, you're competing for starts and. I think that's going to continue for the for the first part of the year. I don't think Game One's going to answer every question, and uh, I think you're, you're a decent chance you're going to see a, a decent amount of moving parts as we try to get guys at bats and, and see who's going to reach out and grab those positions. And um, you know, Bobby Pierce didn't get his first start till LSU last year, and my gosh, when he got in there, was like they ain't, they ain't taking me out, you know, and he did it by his play. And so that that's really what we're looking for, what I'm looking for from, from a handful of positions. How much have you seen Bobby grow just in in having some at-bats and and being able to play every day? Yeah, his confidence, uh, his leadership, uh, which we had to have grow uh, on this team with losing all the people we lost last year. Um, Bobby has grown his maturity that he he knows – it, part of the part of the greatness of, of him as a player is that uh, man he is he is locked in uh, I don't know if it shows but his motor runs very very hot uh, it is it is another guy that competes very very hard but I think he's learned within that uh, how to control that a little bit better uh, how to go up in the bat how to have a little bit more of a two-strike approach instead of the the, the, the a swing on the two o counts the same one you're getting on a two-2 count and and how to learn how to how to um how to face different pitchers. They, what they're gonna try to do to you because hitting behind Sonny last year, which he ended the year, he got pitched a little bit differently and not everybody's gonna throw you a one oh two a fastball and you know, how do I handle that? And so it's just it's the maturity that comes with, with playing and playing at a high level. And not only that, but playing in the middle of the lineup. I think him hitting behind Sonny in the four hole uh Huge dividends for this year of what to expect uh, because he's going to be one of the the guys in the lineup that coaches circle and say, hey, we may not want to let this guy beat us, and he's going to have to handle that.
1: Gabe, speaking of maturity, I mean, you you've got a lot of guys that that have been around for quite a while. Just you know, talk about how much that means. Well, it does. You know, it's, it's
11: almost, uh, I won't say totally flipped, but, but last year we had a lot of, lot of infield maturity. Uh, this year we have a lot of outfield maturity. You know, you Case and Howe and you got Bobby out there, you know, whether it's uh, Justin Kirby or Josh Hall or even Mike Bellow has got experience in Omaha, like the, the, those guys out in the outfield have been around a little bit. Uh, you look in the infield. You got Cole Foster, who's now got a season of being an everyday player under his belt. And then the the interesting pieces that, that go around. It could be mature, and it could be some young guys. Got Gavin Miller at first base. Uh, excuse me, at third base. Uh, Maybe uh, a freshman that, that sticks his head up. But if you if you don't, you got Bryson Ware. who's got three years of experience, uh, even though not as an everyday guy, still may get an opportunity. Um, the first base deal is is very interesting with a lot of different guys over there that it could be, but. All of them have experience, uh, whether uh, it's Brody Wortham coming from uh, you know, a, a lower-tier school, but he's been playing college baseball for four years. you had um, Cooper McMurray, uh, who's got experience at Kansas. And of course, Cam Hill's been here for three years. And, and then I guess we've worked Ike Irish over there a little bit, trying to figure out a way to, to free up the DH spot if, if Nate LaRue's catching, uh, see if he can play first base a little bit. You know, it, it's, it's interesting because I do feel that way. But also, uh, you know, between Ike and Gavin, uh, maybe even Chris Stanfield, uh, getting some reps at some point in the outfield we've got some younger kids and it's it's so important to have the guys that have been there uh, I think Butch said Omaha um, uh, you know Omaha dirt in their cleats uh, that it's like look this is what it looks like and if it starts getting sideways you know coaches can scream at you till the cows come home when a, when another player who's been there grabs you by the shirt and says hey this ain't good enough or this ain't the way we do things it that always means
1: more Gabe Gross, uh, some of the comments he had the other day. Of course, Auburn baseball starting Friday. Hey, a really interesting – yeah, there's some really interesting games tonight, though, in college basketball. We talked about them. Alabama-Tennessee, I still don't understand
2: why Tennessee is favored in that ball game. I think Tennessee Tennessee being – thank you, Drew – Tennessee being at home and – uh, it being a game that matters. They've lost at home. It matters for Tennessee. I mean, Auburn had lost at home, and they went out and they stomped Missouri last night. I think the belief is that it wasn't this Alabama is a, either it wasn't Alabama. Uh, the, the, I think it's there's there's so much on the line for Tennessee. I think with Alabama, you know, the season doesn't hinge as much. No, on what happens no, tonight, doesn't. and so maybe you'll get a desperate. Uh, inspired effort from Tennessee. I still kind of like Bama. I still kind of think they're going to win tonight. I, I'll be surprised if Tennessee wins. What do you think about uh, Kentucky and Mississippi State? Ooh, that's... I mean, for, for a Mississippi State in the field right now, according to Jerry Palm, Kentucky out right now, according to Dr. Jerry Palm. The game's in Starkville CBS. The game's in Starkville. I, I still think Kentucky might be a little bit better, but State is tough in Starkville. And... Kentucky has not been. slash commercial. ESPN
0: 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika.
10: This is SportsCenter. Sports. I'm Steve Lennox. There are 10 games on tonight's NBA schedule. We have an NBA doubleheader on espn TV. Up first, Cavaliers and 76ers. Tip-off in a little over 30 minutes from Philadelphia. Cavs right now on a seven-game win streak. They are currently fourth in the Eastern Conference. Sixers enter on a three-game win streak. Right now, they're a game ahead of the Cavaliers for third in the East. Pelicans and Lakers will follow later tonight from Los Angeles. LeBron James questionable for tonight's matchup. James has missed three straight games with left ankle soreness. College hoops. There are three games on tonight's schedule involving top 25 teams going up against each other. Number one, Alabama, about to tip on the road in Knoxville against 10th-ranked Tennessee. Tied in balls on ESPN2. 11th-ranked Marquette about to tip at home against number 16, Xavier. Now that the Super Bowl is in the rearview mirror, the NFL and the new league season is right around the corner. And with that, free agency. Herm Edwards believes that free agent quarterbacks are going to have their run of the roost this offseason.
9: They actually own the floor
0: because there's only so many of there. Yeah. There's six quarterbacks They're available, maybe.
9: Well, you got to start doing the math. So you're going to, first of all, you're going to overpay. So gonna, just get that out of your mind. Don't uh-huh. say, oh, don't you're going to overpay because the quarterbacks right now, they, they got
10: you. Herm Edwards today on Get Up. Tiger Woods gearing up to compete in his first event since the Open Championship last July. Woods played 16 holes, walked 18 in the Genesis Pro Am earlier today. AMC West said, we Coming up Thursday, now that all the NFL head coaching jobs are
2: filled, I'll tell you why the biggest winner this offseason, my New York football
6: giants. Keyshawn J. Willemax, 6 a.m. Eastern, ESPN Radio, ESPN2, ESPNU.
12: Been broken. Joe, I'm no longer sick. I survived Phoenix, Arizona. I survived the tequila and way too much fun at the Waste Management Open and at Super Bowl parties. I can even bend my toe again after dropping that glass jar on my toe a few weeks ago. I feel like I'm on the mend. Things are
6: looking up since I chose the Chiefs and they won this thing. I'm glad to hear it. And I want everyone to know that I'm being completely authentic right now. I'm not playing into the bit. I am now sick. I'm supposed to oh, go on no. vacation tomorrow. It's going to be a complete disaster. My team lost the Super So I don't know how it was that you were able to take your awful black cat luck and throw it on to me from thousands of miles away. Yet here we are, from Miami, Florida, to Las Vegas, Nevada.
3: Vegas, baby, Vegas.
2: To you, this is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80.
12: Well, I don't know how Joe's doing with my black cat luck, but I do know that Joe Fortenbaugh did make it on vacation, which is why Drew Carter is here hanging out with me, Amber Wilson and Drew Carter. You can find him on Twitter at Drudel25. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. You can also always tell your smart speakers to play ESPN radio. It is that simple. Drew, thanks for uh, filling in for Joe here today.
6: Well, Amber, it's great to be here. Thank you for welcoming me with open arms, reading my Twitter handle, not giving me a hard time like you did last time. I did. We did a radio show together, and I'm used to it.
12: Yeah, I feel like we've gone down that path. You know, like I've made fun of the handles. I didn't want to like come out of the gate doing it. I'm not saying that it's not going to happen at some point in the show. But I thought I'd make nice here (laughs) off the top. Uh, Making nice also in Kansas City, Missouri today were some 500,000 odd fans that showed up. For the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl Parade, the Chiefs celebrated their 38-35 Super Bowl win over the Philadelphia Eagles today in parade fashion. A lot of the O-linemen today wore shirts, huge shirts, of course, because they're O-linemen. That read zero sacks on them. Patrick Mahomes, he's up on the stage. He's got a Coors Light in one hand. He's got the Lombardi uh, and the MVP trophy in another hand. He's living life also, though. He was on that stage with a microphone in hand to let the crowd know they're just getting started.
4: The AMC West said we were rebuilding.
10: I'll be honest with you, I don't know what rebuilding means. And our rebuilding you we're world champs. We're world
4: champs. I just want to let y'all know that this is just the beginning. We ain't done yet. So I'll make sure to hit y'all back next year, and I hope the crowd's the same. Appreciate y'all. Let's go, baby.
12: Well, the rebuilding... Pat, was that you lost Tyreek. I mean, that was part of the rebuilding. You lost some key pieces there. You were throwing to receivers that none of us expected a ton from. You took an entirely different approach, a receiver-by-committee approach, uh, offensively, and I don't think anybody, Drew, thought that the Chiefs were going to be bad this season. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Andy Reid. We just thought maybe they'd take, you know, a little step back, like missing the AFC championship for once.
6: Right. Well, first of all, I think our producer, James, who's wearing a Chiefs hat, is a big Kansas City fan. I think he sprained his neck nodding so hard mm-hmm. at that. Pa- you fired up now, I, James? I,
8: I agree with everything he said. Yeah, it was great. It's weird okay. that you agree. All right.
6: So he- here's the deal. Um, this is two, two times in two months now where a football team wins a big championship and then comes out and says, nobody believed in us. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. Who thought the Chiefs weren't going to be good this year? I actually went back and found the receipts. Because I'm so tired of this. And it's not just Mahomes, by the way. It's also his tight end, Travis Kelsey, who said something similar to this after the Super Bowl. And then this is what he said at the Super Bowl parade.
10: Let me take you back to 2022 in
3: the month of maybe April. Guys were getting signed left and right.
10: The haters were saying that the Chiefs would never make the playoffs. The haters were saying the Chiefs, We're done. If y'all knew that Patrick Mahomes was gonna win the MVP, let me get a hell yeah! There's one thing we gotta do, baby. There's one thing we gotta do for our right to fight. Travis and Trev, end this thing how we supposed to. You gotta fight for your right!
7: Somebody!
12: Huh? I think the Coors Light might have been flowing for Travis a little there. Ain't nothing <laughs> wrong with that. I'm just saying. Yeah, who are these haters?
6: Who I know. That's what haters? I'm saying. That's Please what I'm saying. Please tell me
12: the haters, the doubters. Where was the person that said they weren't making the playoffs? Oh what God. is that about? I mean, maybe we said they wouldn't make an AFC championship for, you know, the first time in five years, but not making the postseason? Nobody was right. out here saying that.
6: I know. So I went back and found the receipts. So the Chiefs entered the season 10-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. behind only two teams. The Bucks <laughs> playing in the terrible NFC and the Bills, who I will give this to Chiefs fans. We all crowned the Bills before the season. That is true. Amber, you and I were on a radio show where the Bills were the number one team in the power rankings in preseason. I'll give you that. I but, did as well. But at the same time... Buffalo looked great in the first half of the season. That looked like a really good call until Josh Allen's shoulder was messed up and then a bunch of you know unfortunate circumstances hit that city and that team specifically. But I'll give you that. We did all crown the Bills before the season. But the Chiefs were still 10-1, to which was third best in the league. They had the third highest over under at 10.5 wins. Patrick Mahomes was second in MVP, favorite, just, just behind Josh Allen, who, again, we all wanted to crown. So for anyone to say the Chiefs were slept on or underdogs, They were a point and a half underdogs in this game because Patrick Mahomes ankle was messed up and the Eagles looked like a wagon. They had crushed everyone they had played. So the Chiefs weren't disrespected by any means. I know we all have to manufacture that because it's football and Georgia did the same thing to an even more egregious Mm -hmm. extent, I thought. (laughs) But this is crazy. The Chiefs are the Chiefs. No one doubted them.
12: And it's not just football. I mean, LeBron when he won the championship with the Lakers, and he's got the mic in his phone or the mic in his hand, and he says, "I want my damn respect too." And then he drops the mic, right. and it's like hey, LeBron, who doesn't respect you? Like, <laughs> seriously, one person on planet Earth that doesn't respect LeBron James? I guess these professional athletes they play with a chip on their shoulder throughout so much of their lives, and then at some point they have to manufacture it because quite literally everybody respects the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm pretty sure there. Might might be some haters from a fan perspective but there's not many haters from the perspective of not thinking the chiefs were going to be half good this season joe and amber is presented by progressive insurance insurance for motorcycles boats and rvs for protection on the road and on the water see how much you can save 1-800 progressive and at progressive.com we love when you join the conversation here on joe and amber triple eight say espn that's how you do it 888-729-3776 that's where we find mac mac is in milwaukee mac thanks for the call what do you have for us?
4: Oh thank you. You know, I think you guys are letting somebody off the hook. Uh because they stated in the beginning of the year that they would even make the playoffs. And uh, that's Mr. Scott, Bart Scott. <laughs> he did say that. That he they the make Chiefs to were the not playoffs. Gonna make
12: he said the Chiefs were not gonna make the playoffs because this of is time. True.
5: This right, is true. Well it's
12: Bart.
6: I mean, what are we doing?
12: I Max. love Bart Scott. I love Bart Scott, but it's it's Bart and Bart, you know? Can't, Can't wait. Wait.
6: <laughs> you cannot hold us responsible for what Bart Scott says. It's like it's like the disclaimer you put in your Twitter bio like, retweets aren't endorsements. Bart Scott does not speak for us.
12: <laughs> not for everyone. That's for certain. Yeah. I did think, I mean, listen, I will, I will be transparent. I was on the radio a ton saying the Chiefs were going to take a step back without Tyreek. I also very much wanted it to be true as a Dolphins fan. Mm-hmm. And then the most remarkable thing happened where both things ended up true. Tyreek ended up being as good as we thought Tyreek Hill was. And also the Chiefs didn't miss him one bit, which both of those things simultaneously being true That was not on my bingo card. And frankly, not on most people's bingo card. You either thought we were going to find out that Hill was overrated or that maybe Patrick Mahomes needed him a little bit more than we expected. We found out neither of those things. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, where will Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers end up this offseason? Drew and I are going to let you know. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. Also, check us out on the ESPN app.
2: 2023 NFL Draft. So
10: you're ready for the draft. Let's get started.
2: Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The
10: NFL Draft is officially open.
2: It all begins with round one. Thursday, April 27th on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. With the first pick.
13: I'm Martin Hoke, the inventor of Navage Nasal Care, and I love Navage. I've told you about how your nose is the body's air filter, that Navage's powered suction will help flush out allergens, viruses, mucus, and germs, and that Navage will help you breathe better. But what do other people say about Navage? Like Josh quote. After walking around my whole life being a mouth breather, I was excited to try Navage. I read the directions carefully, pressed the button, and oh my gosh, what a sensation. So much mucus, so much crud, but oh sweet merciful air, I can finally breathe you through my nose. Never have I ever taken such an amazing breath in my life. This is a life changer, unquote. He's one of over a 100,000 online reviews praising Navaj, the all-natural solution trusted by over 3 million people to help you breathe better, sleep sleep deeper, snore less, and stay healthier without drugs. Navage is available at Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, Target, Rite Aid, and online. Navage, N-A-V-A-G-E, AGE, clean nose, healthy life.